Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. We're excited today to interview Caroline Melly, an experienced strategist who spent 10 years touring the globe with Cirque du Soleil. We were really interested in getting her on the show because for many of us, we'll be bringing our teams back to work for monthly, quarterly, or annual meetings and events, and then sending them off for months at a time. We'll want to offer them meaningful experiences. Caroline cautions that we focus too much on the experience we want to create and not on the one actually relevant to the desires, wants, and the needs of the people we're creating for. On today's podcast, you'll learn the four essential elements to create a successful and meaningful event, the one question to ask before planning any event, and the magic of a box of popcorn. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I am Mitch Simon, your co-host on the West Coast. And in the house, we've got Ginny Mathis, our co-host on the East Coast. And we've also got on the podcast today is Caroline Melly. So today, I'm so excited to have Caroline Melly. She is an experienced strategist who spent 10 years with Cirque du Soleil in guest experience roles. As an experienced strategist, she helps businesses create more impactful experiences for their employees and their guests in the real world and in the remote world. Today, with Caroline's expertise, we will uncover how you should think about planning unique experiences for your, for your employees to keep, to keep them engaged. Well, I'm going to say that again. Today, with <laughs> Caroline's expertise, we'll uncover how you should think about planning unique experiences for your employees to help keep them engaged with your company, no matter where they are on the planet. And talking about the planet, today, we got Caroline Welcome. You are in Montenegro. So tell us about going from Cirque du Soleil to Montenegro. Hello. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yes, I am in Montenegro. I'm currently based here. Uh, and I'm here just very randomly, you know, because of the pandemic, I needed somewhere to go as a full-time traveler. And I had an opportunity uh, to just be based here for around six months or so. So that's currently where I am. I did work with Cirque du Soleil for 10 years, traveling the world. I worked in 17 different countries, led teams in 17 different countries. And I did a number of roles uh, within the front of house teams. I actually did every role in the front of house teams, but I specialized in the VIP experiences. I loved being in the VIP world, um, not necessarily in terms of status, but just in terms of the kind of experiences that we could create for the guest were very different to the experience that a so-called regular paying guest would, would have. So I, I fell in love with that part of the operation. And that's kind of where I ended up and where, where a lot of kind of passion and inspiration grew as a result of. Great. So tell us about your journey over the last year. Um, I think we spoke before and 
pandemic hit, Cirque du Soleil said au revoir. Mm -hmm. And then now you are on your own. So what have you been doing over the last year? Yeah, so it was a very interesting moment because I was already on my way out, so to speak. I realized that I wanted to take the next step in my own career. Um, but obviously, from the pandemic point of view, I had to figure that out on my own, especially being in the travel, event, lifestyle, entertainment industries. They were the industries that, that basically got demolished in the, in the pandemic, right? So I couldn't rely on say, regular job opportunities, for example, within the European summer market, uh, th those just were not there. And so it really, it did take quite a long time. And I feel like one year later, now I'm at the point where I'm confident in saying, this is my skill set, this is my expertise, this is what I can offer you. But it did take quite a long time. And it was really up to me to kind of think, okay, what are my skills? How are they transferable in the sense of me almost consulting on my own or, or creating projects on my own? And then how can I translate them into the current reality of today? And that was a very interesting journey. Like I said, it did take a year. It wasn't anything quick that happened. It took a lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring, a lot of me kind of talking myself into action every single day and not getting too uh, overwhelmed or too upset with 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 the current status of things and uh, and that has that has been that year long journey that has led me to now i was thinking about the fact that ah, this year has become incredibly isolated negative you know there's a lot of fighting amongst all of us and i felt that that magic of experiences had been lost and i wanted to create something that would rejuvenate the conversation again around how we can create more impact more meaning in experiences we are, that we offer no matter what that meant for each individual and that led me to create the experience creators which is an interview series on youtube and I interview incredible experienced creators from all around the world in many different expertises. Uh, I had the founder of a sneaker company recently. The episode that I put up today was a magician turned author, speaker, consultant on human connection. And I ask questions around experiences. And the one main question I always ask is what elements make an incredible experience? And no matter what their answers are based on their context, expertise, culture, language, there's always commonalities in the answers. And I love kind of exploring their, their answers and pulling those out. And, and so then for our audience, and, and this is so exciting, what then makes an experience or how does a leader create that experience with a team that's out there half in front of them, half around the world? So, what I discovered in all of these conversations really almost uh, validated what I thought myself in terms of what an incredible experience was and how it was made up. And there's four key elements. The first is personalization. And I think when you're talking about remote, having remote teams, this is the key, personalization. The second element is connection or a sense of belonging. The third is memorability. And then the fourth is shareability. And so they were the four key concepts that no matter who I ask, no matter which expert I ask, no matter where they are from around the world, their expertise, their answers show up in that way in some form of another. So they're the four key elements and the four key elements that I specifically focus on in leadership and creating experiences. Can you give an, uh, an example? Because those are exciting. 
How do, how do you make them real? Yeah, so I'll give you the perfect example. I recently signed up for a course creators bootcamp. It was through the platform Thinkific. It was helping me with my own program make it even better. And as soon as I signed up for it, I, re- I received a, an email saying kind of welcome to the bootcamp. And there was a link that was a personalized video to me. It was a, I think it was a 20 second video that one of the, the coaching team had created. And it was just a video, just somebody had shot with their phone. Hey, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the program. We're really excited to have you. Here's the next steps. And and that was it. 20 second video shot on their phone. But that immediately made me feel like, oh my gosh, wow, they they know who I am, or at least they acknowledged my my application to the program, my 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 purchase. And now I feel connected with them in some way, you know, and we haven't even started yet. And so that's the perfect example of how you can use something very simple to create personalization that will immediately lead to some kind of sense of belonging and connection. I felt like I was now part of that community, that program, because one of the coaches knew who I was. Right, right. That That is a beautiful example. And the use of the tool. Right. It would have been one thing for them to call you up. Right. <laughs> it's a totally different one. Oh my gosh. They're, they're here with me. And we have to That's think great. about what tools we can use that are a very easy to use. So no matter how tech savvy you are or how, you know, tech illiterate you are, you're able to use them yourself, but that also that it is easy to use for the user, right? I just had to click a link and it was a, I don't remember the website now, but it was the service on that website was creating these personalized videos. And it was super easy for me to watch. And there was nothing complicated about that process. If you go and start creating personalization that is highly complicated, you're going to lose that connection straight away. And you, your message is not going to get to the other person. So, uh, yeah, it was very simple, very quick, and had very high ROI in terms of how I felt as soon as I watched it. Great. So tell, bring, it, bring us to the next three, which is um, connection and sense of belonging memorability and shareability. If you could share with us um, how either that experience or other experiences that you've been um, involved in, where you can create those other three um, core elements of creating an amazing experience. Connection, I think, is a very important one right now, sense of belonging. We all, I think, can agree that there is such a disconnect right now in terms of human to human connection. You know, we are not able to do that physically. And so we have to find ways to do that virtually. And especially when you're looking at leading teams that are potentially scattered across the world. When I worked for Cirque du Soleil, our headquarters were in Montreal, in Quebec, but I was never in Montreal, Quebec. I was always on tour. We were always on tour. And so there was this important element of how can we remain connected as an organization? How can we remain part of the spirit of Cirque du Soleil? when we're scattered all over the globe. And even on my, even on any one tour, you can have up to 25 different nationalities on that one tour. So it is a very interesting concept to think of. And and I think that can really come down to culture, right? How are you creating, how does that, that the heart of the company that in Montreal is incredibly strong. And, you know, Mitch, I'm sure you can attest to this. Like people from Montreal are very, and Quebec are very, very proud of that company because it is such an integral part of that culture. So how can we take that pride and now translate that to people that are on the other side of the world? And so we're always trying to find how can we, 
how can we create that sense of belonging to something, no matter what it is? And I think when you're looking at experiences, the first way to do that, A, is through personalization, right? It, it kind of threads into each other. Mm-hmm. And the third memorability, I think that's quite self-explanatory in the sense that if I have an experience tomorrow, will I remember it in 10 years time for starters? The second is if I have an experience tomorrow, will I tell a whole bunch of people about it, right? And uh, one example of that is I have a kind of a segment I do once a week called Experience of the Week. And I put it up on mainly LinkedIn and on the YouTube channel, The Experience Creators. And I try to find a really great experience, a really cool experience, unique experience that almost ticks all of these four boxes, right? And I share that. And the example from my experience of the week last week was Massimo Dutti, which is a Spanish retail brand, a clothing brand. And they, in February this year, launched their shoes experience, which is an augmented reality feature on their app. And it's very cool. You hold the phone down at your feet, you pick the shoe, and it, and it actually looks like they're on your feet. Not like a picture. Like I, and I went through this experience, obviously, to, to then share it as the experience of the week. But I told not only through the video that I created and the content I created, but separate for that, I remember like I take, I like WhatsApp my sister straight away. I told one of my friends, I was like, Oh my God, you have to try this. It's really, really cool. And so how can we create something that's really memorable? Right. And a in the short term in terms of reach, but then B in the long term in terms of many years to come, are we still going to remember elements of that moment? And then the fourth is shareability. And I think in, in 2021, the year that we're in, you know, that is highly crucial in terms of the success of our experiences and the reach and impact that we can create. And for example, if we take this example of the Massimo Dutti app, they actually have some tools within that platform where you can actually share on social media the choices that you made or at least some some video from there. And so looking at how we can actually share our experiences. And I know when I worked at Cirque du Soleil, they, especially in the last couple of years, it was their hashtag um, promotion was really, really big. So it was kind of when you walk around, it was like, use this hashtag, show like show us that you're at the show tonight. And it was really cool to have a look at everyone that was at the show tonight, where they were, what they bought, like were they in the VIP, what they experienced. And that became a huge part of the, the marketing strategy there. And again, the idea with shareability is can you feel yourself in that experience if you're not there? Because if you can and you can create some buzz and excitement around, oh, wow, I feel like I'm already there, the inclination is, okay, I'm going to go and look at it into it a little bit further. So they're, they're the four. They're the four main ones. That's great. That's, thank you so much for that. Uh, what I also love about Cirque du Soleil was the, you know, the show. I think I've been to two of those shows is they would tell an incredible story. And we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, we had Barry Winkless from CPL in Dublin and from the Future of Work Institute. And he talked about how great leaders will be great storytellers. And they not only will they be great storytellers, but what they'll do is they'll make their story come alive in their companies. And I was wondering if you can share with us the importance of storytelling in creating a memorable event. And really, um, as it pertains to the business world now where um, people are dispersed and to really bring them together, you need to have a powerful story that they can really live into. Yeah. So at Cirque du Soleil, I just a little bit of context. I would have, we, when we moved to a new city, 
I would receive my team from a hiring agency. We wouldn't hire them. We'd just kind of receive them. The day that I received them, I would do about a two to three hour training. And then that night was the premiere of the show. The most important night of the, the, the entire city run. So I had to somehow connect with these guys so incredibly quickly, but in a positive way, right? And not only for that night to be successful, but I only was with them for two months. And what I found was through telling my own story, my own backstory, how did I get to this spot as your VIP leader tonight, as your VIP manager? How did I get to this position? Because they were already intrigued. So if I was able to open with that, if I was able to start my relationship with my team in that way, the connection was almost immediate. And not only did they feel connected to me in terms of my own personal story, but in that story that I was sharing with them, they learned about the company. They learned more about the operations around them that they they do not see straight in front of their face. And I felt that they were able to grasp what we were trying to do a lot quicker. And that came through those stories. And I actually, on a daily basis, I would, I started every day, every night, every shift with a quick 10 minute leadership meeting. I did it every single night, uh, non-negotiable. And it always started with a story, whether it was something I read in a book, whether it's something that happened at Cirque du Soleil, whether it was something that happened the night before. And through starting that conversation through the story, we were able to, I feel like, get on the same page a lot quicker. And then when you look at it from a leadership point of view, I think what's really interesting is these people standing before you through telling your story and almost being a little bit courageous and vulnerable. I mean, for me, I'd never met them before. So I was almost taking a bit of a leaf of faith, but I almost felt for some of them, they could see themselves in me, in my story. They were aspiring leaders themselves. They were aspiring bar managers themselves. Maybe they were even aspiring um, acrobats or artists at Cirque du Soleil. But, and I'm definitely not just (laughs) just to clarify, but through me sharing my story, they were able to grasp one of the elements of it and say, oh, wow, I could be that one day or, or I could do something similar. And I think that is where storytelling becomes incredibly important. That is just wonderful. And as you know, there's tons of stuff out there now on storytelling and leaders needing to tell a story. <clears throat> and just to share one thing, I was watching a leader uh, on a, on a zoom call and he always starts with an icebreaker and we all know about icebreakers and so forth. However, he did a spin that I think you can identify with. Like you said, you had this opening 10 minutes. Whenever he asked them a question to answer, they, ha- they couldn't just answer it. They had to answer it in a story. Mm, that's very cool. So. Um, where will you be in five years? Now, remember, you have to tell a story. Right. And that, and that changed everything. I think it also gives you the opportunity to learn how to articulate, right? Articulate your own personal story, articulate your goals. A, a lot of times, employees, for example, feel very misunderstood, but half the time the leaders aren't even aware of that struggle. They're not even aware of that clash because the articulation of what the actual problem is or or why they're not actually reaching their full potential or why they're not feeling they're getting an opportunity really comes because that 
expression has not really been explored. And I think so that's where that's where that that strategy is incredible for that. Great. Um, Carolina, I wanted to ask you, um, let's say I'm a I'm a, an executive and I want to hold an event to bring um, together my staff from all over the world. And we're going to meet in Montenegro, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just my favorite word this week. Um, what would be the questions you would ask me that I would need to think about for this event to be memorable, to, to reach all your elements, um, and to have my employees leave and be really proud of working for the company? Yeah. The very first question is how do you want them to feel at the end? And I think this is such a logical, simple question, right? But I feel like we don't ask, we don't ask it enough of ourselves when we're creating experiences, but also, like you said, if I'm the CEO. So when I'm working with individuals or when I'm working with, with teams, that's the very first question I ask. And it's very interesting. A lot of times they're kind of like, oh, um, oh, well, uh, I, I, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to be like motivated. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> let's 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 start again and let's try this activity again it, it can actually be quite challenging so i think the first question in in this particular example is how do you want them to feel when they've left and not just the buzzwords like motivated inspired excited like how do you actually want them to feel is this event is the goal of this event some kind of transformation is this event is the goal of this event more around, you know, fun because it's the, 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 te- the, the atmosphere is a little bit down. It's a bit negative. It's a bit heavy. We just, we just want something un- uplifting. So how do you want them to feel at the end? You know, the goal is if you speak to a hundred participants when they leave, are they all going to have that common thread? Just like when I ask my guests that common thread of what elements make an incredible experience, there's always that same underlying answer. So I think that is the very first question. And it's really, really important to be very, very clear on that before you move on. Because sometimes we get caught up with creating the events or the experience that we want to create. Instead of creating the event or experience that is really going to serve whoever we're talking. In this case, it would be our employees, our teams. So I think sometimes, and, and I, I don't think we do it on purpose, but we almost think a little bit selfishly and I'm going to create the greatest experience and it's going to be this and that and it's going to have all of these elements. But is that actually want what the team, what your employees actually want? Because if it's not, then, then again, you need to, you need to go back to that initial question. How do you want them to feel? So that would be like the very first thing. That's the first steps. Right. Uh, you shared with me a story when we first met on the importance of a box of popcorn. <laughs> and I wanted to know if you could tell us that story, because this is about all about storytelling. Tell us about that story and, and how could you do popcorn in the remote world? Hmm. It's a very good question. The story itself is that I was very shocked at Cirque du Soleil as to how many problems, customer service problems, I could solve by offering a box of popcorn that on my end was actually incredibly cheap, basically didn't cost a whole lot at all, uh, but had such high impact. And I was almost surprised at the beginning. I'm like, there's no way that they've just left me happy with that box of popcorn right now. Like what the hell is going on? And I realized very quickly that 
it was that simple, you know. A lot of the a lot of times in my environment, I was not communicating in my first language. And whether it was me trying to communicate in my second or third language, or whether it was me trying to solve a customer service issue through a translator, which is incredibly challenging at, at the least, by offering a gesture of a popcorn, we were actually able to to have these guests turn around and and walk away happy. And the way that the reason that they did that is not because now they have popcorn, like anyone can buy popcorn, right? It's because through that gesture, I personally felt that I was showing that I cared about them, that I understood about the problem. I was maybe not able to solve it. And especially in an inv- in an event experience environment when it things are very time sensitive so if the show is starting if your event is starting in five minutes you don't have 20 minutes to like speak with the guests and then go get the manager and then and this whole big thing you want to get them in there so they don't miss the start of the show right in my particular case so that's where I felt we were able to almost form like a little bit of a connection. And sometimes they would even come up to me at the end of the show, like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And it didn't solve everything, but I think it solved, uh, it was, a, it was more the gesture of it. And I think sometimes maybe we overthink things, right? We overthink what is the solution. And then this is the perfect example of something so simple for me, something that was incredibly cheap from an operational point of view actually created very, very high impact. So that is the the popcorn the popcorn story. How do we do popcorn in the remote world? Ah, good question. Yeah, it's a really good question. And the first thing that springs to mind comes back to personalization, right? Just just that example that I gave at the beginning of this conversation around that video that that coach sent me. You know, again, very, very quick to do, very low effort, very high ROI. So when I'm thinking of how can I get something across really, really quickly to to my uh, remote workers, for example, that is the perfect example of something that is very, very simple, but actually means a lot. And it's because it's personalized. It's because this guy used my name you know, he used my name. It wasn't just like, hey, welcome to the program. It was, hi, Caroline. So excited to have you here. And um, so I think sometimes we overlook personalization because I sometimes when we're very busy, we think, oh, gosh, I, there's no way I can personalize all of this. And it doesn't have to be to the individual if you have a thousand people coming to your event, but it could be maybe to clusters, maybe to teams, you know, hey, marketing team, you know, thank you so much, you know, starting something like that. And another example that I do with the experience creators is after every interview that I give, I send them a thank you postcard in the post, like as if it's, we're back in the nineties, you know, (laughs) and when they receive, because it takes, it's not quick, right? It does take quite a while to get there in our world now where we're used to kind of a couple of hours uh, receiving of things. It's special because it extends our connection even further. And so, of course, in a virtual world, you know, you may not have everybody's addresses and be able to do something like that. But how can you replicate the intention, that action into something that is going to create really high impact? And I think the key here is really personalization in whatever way that that be, that is doable for your experience or your event. Okay, let's let's get to the ROI question. So, 
How can a company measure ROI on events, especially when events in the new economy will cause companies to bring people together from all over the world? So in this new world where um, in a remote world or a virtual world, you can live anywhere, wherever you want, anywhere in the world. Now, a company is going to say, hey, I want to bring, bring people back. So it won't be, hey, everyone drive in. It might have to be, we're going to actually have to have a, um, a get-together outside of our city, outside of our country. So how can I say, well, this is a good investment? Yeah, so I think the logical answer to that is looking at analytics, right? And there's so many incredible tools for that. Uh, There's so many incredible resources and experts in that area. That is not an area that I focus on at all. So I won't talk about that at all. However, I think it's almost like old school. It's almost going back to having conversations with people. It's almost, it's in the follow-up, I think. And it is in not just following up saying, oh, can you fill out this quick survey, you know, five-minute survey, you could win an iPad, you know, one of those kind of things. It's having a deep and meaningful conversation with somebody. And again, this is obviously a lot of work. It can be seen as a lot of work, but I do definitely think there is a way to do this so that you can actually see the impact that your event had. Maybe you're following up, a week or two later, but maybe you've made a note for yourself to check in with them in six months, right? And is that impact still resonating with them in in six months' time? Because if it is, then you know you're onto something really, really good, right? So I think because of the speed in which we work at the moment uh, these days, because of our virtual environment, because of the, the vastness of the teams that we're building, I think sometimes we lose a little bit of that that love of conversation and that love of deep connection with someone. And if we, again, go back to looking at things like personalization, a sense of belonging, if I went to an event and then, you know, was asked to maybe jump on a 30-minute call just to check in six months later and I had this most incredible conversation with, with the individual, personalization, tick sense of belonging, a huge tick, probably five ticks in that in that area. Memorability, wow, no other company is doing this for me. Like I've never been asked to, to give feedback or check in in this kind of way. And shareability, I mean, the amount of people that I'm going to tell about this initiative, this conversation is really high. And so I think for some people, they may not like that answer just because it does seem like a lot of work and you may not have the manpower, the bandwidth to do that. But if that is in your realm, I think having, thinking about the depth of conversation, thinking about the depth of the insights that you're going back and forth with each other, I think that can actually translate very much so into ROI if you're looking at it from a connection, a personalization point of view. So that would be my answer. You know what I love about your answer is um, is you're measuring. Uh, one, one of the things I love about your answer is you answered the question to basically say, you know, measure it six months out. Mm. What I also love is that you said for an event to be memorable, to be fulfilling, you must design it to have those conversations, which make it memorable and fulfilling. And I think that that is, um, that, I think that's what get, gets lost because, you know, if I would think about an event with Cirque du Soleil for my company, I think we're going to have an elephant. We're going to have great food. And we're going to have people that can, you know, twist their bodies in ways that you can't. Um, and then we'll have some loud music. 
And you say, Caroline, that's nice, Mitch, but what you need to plan for are conversations. Could you tell me more about the types of conversations that you would plan to have your events just be, you know, I would never forget them for years on end. I think it's not so much what kind of conversations we can have. It's what can we put in place in the experience for these kind of conversations to happen naturally. And I'll give you the perfect example. So recently on the Experience Creators, I interviewed a natural food chef, wellness coach, and she has a conscious catering business. And she's based in LA. She goes to and she caters events. And I asked her a very similar question around this in terms of how can we use food as a tool to deepen our connection with others? And it was very interesting, her answer, because it was all around, okay, first impression. When you walk in, you're automatically greeted with something very beautifully plated, whether it's the tiniest little thing, whether it's a beverage, no matter what. But you don't want people walking in kind of, we all know we've all been in that situation where we're just kind of awkward. Oh, just look at my phone because I don't really want to interact with anyone. Food is a natural conversation starter if it's done well. I think a lot of events don't do food well and we can all think of an event we've been to, the food was just absolutely shocking. It's kind of come straight out of the freezer, right? But if you are able to use that tool, the tool of food, if it's beautiful, I mean, imagine if you walked in and something beautifully presented, something you've never seen that done in that way, that is a conversation starter already, right? You've, you've created the opportunity for the conversation. You haven't created the conversation itself. So I think it's really around the activation. If you're, if you're looking at a physical experience, if you're looking at a virtual experience, what questions can you ask? Can you put to the group that are actually going to create some really exciting conversations? And usually they are very like thought provoking, a little bit maybe out of the box or a little bit risky in a way, but those are how your conversations are going to start. So it's not about necessarily the content of the conversation. It's how you can actually create as many opportunities for those conversations to happen naturally around you. I love that answer. Okay. So I'm a CEO. I've run a hundred percent in real life company, and now I've decided to make the move to a virtual company. It's uh, as we recording this, it's, um, gosh, it's the end of March of 2021. Um, people are getting vaccinated and I'm looking at my 2022, my first half of 2022. I'm assuming everyone's gonna be vaccinated. Everyone can get on a plane. What do I need to think about as I look towards that full year of 2022 and thinking about events for my company that would really engage them? What are some of the things that that you would suggest I start to think about because you are an event strategist, by the way, that um, would have me be able to move from a in real life to a virtual company and have my employees actually feel even more engaged than they were before the pandemic? Ooh, big question. So I think before asking me that question, I think the first step is asking your employees, your teams, I often find that as leaders, we forget how valuable the insights and the expertises of our, of our employees actually are. And I'll give you an example. At Cirque du Soleil, I feel like I use Cirque du Soleil for every example that I give you, but I'm going to go with it because they're all so relevant. 
at Cirque du Soleil, as I mentioned before, we change cities every two months, right? And in somewhere like America, that was we were in the same country, same language. However, I spent a, a lot of my time touring in Europe. So we are changing countries, we are changing languages, we are changing cultures every two months. So in that environment, I, if I, let's say my VIP team and I, I was the expert in leadership, in operations, in the logistics side of thing, in customer service. But my team were the experts in the guests, right? The guests were their fellow countrymen and women. The, the guests spoke their, the same language as my team. So I led through curiosity. I led through asking questions. They were the ones that gave me all the, in- there's so many ideas that I implemented at, at Cirque that I cannot take any credit for because they were devised by my teams because they were the ones that knew the guest better than any of us at Cirque du Soleil because we were foreigners, so to speak, right? And if I was lucky, I was able to, to speak the same language as the guest, but a lot of times I wasn't. So I had to rely on my team. I found that I was able to make so much amazing progress in the quality of the experience by getting my team involved, by asking them, by by not only asking them their ideas, but asking them what their experience was last night when we had that big group of people. Like what what were the kind of things that they were saying? How were you, how were they responding to you? Because of course we can all judge body language, we can all judge tone of voice. But if we're not actually physically understanding what they're saying, you know, it's sometimes a little bit of a guesswork. So I would then now adopt that same strategy into this example that that you bring up, Mitch, and say that before I, as a leader, go and try and create this crazy strategy, let's start by asking the people that this experience is actually for. Remember going back to that thing that I said before about Sometimes we focus too much on creating the experience that we want to create and we don't focus on creating an experience that is actually relevant to the desires, the wants and the needs of the people that we're creating it for. So that is a huge step. And, you know, it sounds so simple in theory, but I think so many leaders never use that strategy because you know why? It challenges ego it challenges your expertise as a leader if you start asking questions oh my gosh people are going to think that you don't know what you're doing people are going to think you are less intelligent than and you actually are this is our ego like telling ourselves these things but I think if you're able to kind of let that go a little bit and trust that that the outcome will actually be a lot better than you creating it yourself I think that you can actually create so much impact because a lot of the ideas in your strategy is actually going to come through conversations with your employees, your teams, or whoever it is that you're serving through this experience. I love that answer. That is a great, <laughs> great answer. That is just, I'm going to be using that's that. That's great. And, and how a thought that I had and to see how you respond when you said leaders are are sometimes afraid because they have this persona of what they have to be and now have to go ask people and get the input and be participative. There's also, I think, going into this new hybrid world, if you're going to create the experience, there is a bit of a marketing sense to that. The six-month follow-up. How many hits of conversations do I need for trust to have been built? 
how many feelings do I need to create to then see that the culture has moved out there? And the crux of that, I think, is some leaders may reject that. Oh, that's not what a leader does. You better do it going forward. And you are such a personification of that in terms of the work that and all these ideas that you're sharing. You know, sometimes also I think there is a lot of pressure to determine a very immediate ROI, right? Especially when you're looking from a financial point of view, right? If I invest $50,000 into this experience, what am I getting out of this? And how am I going to prove that to the, to the higher ups? And I have never once focused on that ROI in particular. And of course, some people may disagree. They, they need that is a, that is a prerequisite for them creating something. And, and I totally understand that. But how many times have you, I mean, I just think of the impact that, that we create. Like, for example, I did a presentation recently, uh, on a, a Podfest summit, right? And I gave this five minute presentation entitled One Great Experience Has the Potential to Change Someone's World. And I had no idea of the ROI of this. Yeah, apparently there was 10,000 people there. Who knows? I don't really know. I I don't know how many people saw my presentation. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a LinkedIn message from somebody who'd watched it. And it was the most beautiful for me. Like it, it just touched me in such a way that was I almost like shed a little bit of a tear. It was so, it was so crazy. The impacts that my five minutes and what I'd created had had on this, this woman. Now that exists all the time, but we don't necessarily communicate to that, to that other person. So sometimes I find that if we just look at the quality that we're creating in the experiences that we offer, sometimes putting a little bit of a trust into the impact that that's actually going to have alleviates that pressure of, oh my gosh, what is the immediate ROI? Again, that strategy doesn't work in every single circumstance, but personally for me and all the work that I'm doing and everything that I'm creating, that is my strategy. And it aligns 100% with my own leadership style, my own strategist style. And that is, yeah, that, that is how I roll in that regard. Okay. So where can people find you? Yeah, so the Experience Creators is on YouTube. That is my current love. Uh, I just, every time I work on that, I'm just obsessed with it. And the feedback has been amazing. So if you'd like to check that out, that's the Experience Creators on YouTube. And then in terms of my own personal brand, all the work that I'm doing, uh, carolinemailey.com. And you can check the spelling in this podcast. Great. Thank you, uh, Caroline. This has been- Thank you. How exciting. Really, really great. Really things, things I never really have, have even considered thinking about that will really change, I think, my events going forward. Um, and we hope we'll stay in touch with you and get you back on the podcast real soon. Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, our audience, uh, which has been growing greatly over the last few weeks. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. We appreciate your curiosity. Uh, please share this segment and all our segments with uh, all of your colleagues and friends. And we look forward to seeing you next week on our next episode of Team Anywhere.